0: Uh, Father, we thank you for bringing us here today. I thank you for uh, all these kids heading towards confirmation. I thank you for what you're doing in their lives um, and for their wonderful minds and their curiosity. I, I pray that you would speak through um, Andrew Pearson and that we would all hear from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Just in case God didn't know who Andrew
1: was, uh, <laughs> uh, I might I Could uh, my surname <laughs> on morning. in <laughs> All right, so these are all questions that uh, the confirmands have... Uh, submitted uh, that they want asking and um, you know it's, it's very funny because normally every year there's they get on a real ho- ho- hobby horse about like I remember one year they were all about dinosaurs and, uh, and apparently this year you have um, a real pressing concern about the eternal fate of your pets um, so um, but Paul was going yeah, to ask the questions. Well
0: it. we'll so, kick it off with that so Andrew do pets
1: Get to go to heaven too, but not cats. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. So, uh, so what happens with with pets? Um, well, pets are part of God's unconscious creation. So you know those bits in scripture where um, you know if we keep silent, the rocks will cry out, right? So actually, God's creation can't help but display his glory. God's creation can't help but worship him. right? They don't have a choice in the matter. They just That's what they were created for. That being said, uh, here's the really sad thing about creation and the fall is that when Adam and Eve uh, sinned against God and were expelled out of the garden and we became subject to sin and death, so did the rest of creation, not because of anything they did, uh, were they subjected to it? But now all of a sudden, our cats die, um, our, uh, you know, every orchid that comes into my house dies, um, uh, things, things like that. But let me read to you from Romans. This is Romans chapter eight, uh, beginning uh, with verse 19. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Now, for in this hope, we were saved. Okay, so what Paul is saying, I, I just sort of paraphrased before, creation has fallen and corrupted because of us, not because of anything our pets did. But we read here that actually God is going to redeem his creation, which means when uh, your dogs and cats and goldfish uh, die, uh, I think that Paul tells us here that they too will be redeemed. That actually, you will see dogs and cats in heaven, some of which previously belonged to you. And, um, and so, uh, if your dogs die, uh, you can, I think you can rest easy that Jesus is going to take uh, care of them.
0: All right, number two. What year was Jesus born? Zero.
1: Zero. Uh, uh, so you know that our calendar, uh, you know, w- is split into into two. We've got before Christ, right BC, and then uh, and then AD, which is Latin for Year of the Lord. And so it was thought that 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 calendar began the AD part when Jesus was born, uh, but that was a man-made calendar. And so in fact, Jesus was probably born. Um, a couple years before we get to zero, um, and, and we know that because we can look at the history uh, in the in the birth narrative, where it talks about who was governor and uh, who was, in Caesar Augustus doing the um, the uh, the census in order to determine taxation. Uh, so that puts him, I don't know what, three, three, okay, three DC. Okay. Born before he was born.
0: All right, so now that you're warmed up, why didn't God just make us all good instead of making his son die on the cross for our sins? Also, if God is good, then why is there suffering in the world? Gosh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so when the, fir- the
1: first one is, is um, why, did why God didn't just God just make, make us good? good? Okay, well, he did, right? He did, and then our first parents, Adam and Eve, blew that. Uh, but it's not enough to say, Well, Adam and Eve blew it, and we can, and if it had been us, we never would have done anything like that. Uh, And so we, too, are held to the same level of accountability, and our sinfulness uh, is viewed in the same way as Adam and Eve's, and we're just as responsible for our own sinfulness as as they are. So that's how sin came into the world, through our first parents, Adam and Eve. Why didn't God just prevent Adam and Eve from doing that, right? Well, because Adam and Eve were the only two human beings on the face of the earth that actually had freedom. They actually had the ability uh, to to choose the right thing. Uh, We don't have that ability because of them. So, for instance, have you ever done anything bad and when your parents ask you why you did, well, I know you've done something bad, uh, but uh, just wait until I finish the question before you start nodding your heads. Um, You've done something bad, and your parents ask you why you did that, and you say, I don't know. That's actually a really good answer, um, because uh, it really is in uh, your nature. Uh, and sometimes we do things that we know that we're not supposed to do, and, and yet we still find ourselves uh, doing them. And so if uh, your parents have ever told you not to do something, uh, there are times where you've probably turned right around and done exactly uh, that. Uh, But at the same time, you can't say, well, Mom, Dad, it's because of my sinful self that I did it, and you really can't blame me. (laughs) That's not it. Uh, Because you are uh, held accountable to that, and, and you are directly responsible for that. And so because Adam and Eve fell... We're fallen, and we don't have the ability to choose the good. doesn't mean we're terrible people. doesn't mean that we're awful. But what it means in our own nature, in our own weakness, uh, we're not going to choose God. Right? God has to intervene from the outside uh, into our lives before we can actually turn to him and put our trust in him. Now, here's the thing about it. Uh, do you all ever listen during Christmas Eve to the music? And there's one Christmas song, and I've never really liked it. And uh, it's called "Adam Lay Bounded. Yeah, no? yeah, it's, yeah there you go. And uh, "Adam Lay b- b- And it said, "Blessed be the time that apple taken was." Right. Now, it wasn't an apple tree, okay? nor was it a pomegranate tree, regardless of what the Pomegranate Farmers Association of America has to say about that. Uh, uh, do you know that, that they'd actually put forward that, that you ought to eat pomegranates because that was what Adam and Eve ate? Um, well, look at how it turned out for them. Not really, good, not a great marketing campaign. Uh, read your Bibles. Um, okay, so that always, that, that hymn has always bothered me because was that a blessed day when Adam and Eve ate uh, of the tree? No, it was a terrible day. You know, it was a really, really bad day. And so why would the author of that song uh, write that? Because of this. Because God, in his infinite wisdom and foreknowledge, knew all of that was going to happen and that fellowship was going to be broken. And so even before the foundations of the world, he knew that, that he would have to send a rescue mission to save us in Jesus Now here's the thing, because of Jesus, the fellowship that we enjoy with him here on earth is fantastic, but when he comes back and redeems all of creation, and our mortal bodies are raised, and we're in a glorified state, we're going to have bodies just like Jesus' body after his resurrection. And do you know now, when that happens, your fellowship with God will actually be more closer and more intimate than the fellowship that Adam and Eve enjoyed, right? That that you will actually have a, be, a closer and uh, deeper relationship with God than even um, Adam and Eve had. Because after you know, it's it's funny. The Bible starts with uh, what's the what's the first place that we hear about in the Bible? A physical. Where did Adam and Eve live? Garden. In a garden, right? They live in a garden. Great. Y'all are learning something. Um, <laughs> st- how does the Bible end? Revelation. Where? That's right. Where, and, but what, How does it end? You start with a garden and then what? A city. But it, it ends with a city populated by sons and, and daughters uh, of God. And it's this redeemed creation, a new heaven uh, and a new earth uh, that is not uh, just a, a restoration uh, of what it once was, but even more glorious. And what was the other way?
0: Yeah, part B, you're not getting off the hook. If God is good, then why is there suffering in the world? Yeah.
1: Okay. Right. You know, a lot of people think that you can't think that God is good and make sense of, of suffering in the world because there's uh, no person who feels the suffering of the world on a deeper level than Jesus Christ. Right? Because all the sin of the world upon him was laid. Uh, he feels uh, He feels everything and uh, you get a glimpse of this when uh, you know the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead yeah, it's uh, well let's just let's flip to it better to talk about the Bible I mean better to actually look at the Bible rather than just talk about it so if you look at um, John chapter 11 he raises Lazarus from the dead But let's look and see what happens Before he raises Lazarus from the dead So uh, Mary gets up and rises and goes out And they follow her as she's going to Jesus Supposing she was going to the tomb to weep there This is verse 32 Now then, Mary came in to where Jesus was And saw him She fell at his feet saying Lord if you had been here my, my brother would not have died And when Jesus saw her weeping And the Jews who had come with her also weeping He was deeply moved in his spirit And greatly troubled Remember that bit and he said, "Where have you laid him?" They said to him, "Lord, come and see." Shortest verse in all the Bible. Jesus wept. Right. And they and then they say, "We'll see how he loved him." Um, and this that's why they think he's crying. And then um, verse thirty-eight. Then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a, c- a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, "Take away the stone." Okay. So let's 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 talk about a little bit of Greek. Sure. And And um, these phrases of deeply moved are misunderstood. They were misunderstood in Jesus' day and are often misunderstood by readers and listeners today because we just assume that those who are watching Jesus weep and say, well, he's crying because he loved, he loved Lazarus. Um, that's only partly true. And when we think of Jesus weeping, uh, and I mean, what do, we, what do we think it's like? Probably like little tears and, kind of, but why in the world would Jesus weep and cry over someone who has died, if Jesus is just going to raise him again, raise him from the dead? Why would he cry? Well, we see it. It's the part about being deeply moved and troubled in his spirit. Uh, the Greek here talks about Jesus not being sad about Lazarus, but actually angry. He's mad. And if you've ever had a really good cry where you're angry and you just, I mean, I'll admit it. Like, I can remember one time crying so hard that I, I was drooling. I, I just, you know, have you ever had one of those cry? That's the kind of crying that Jesus is having here. So you can almost hear the Jews saying, wow, he must have really loved it. <laughs> because this is a crazy. Why is Jesus mad and why is he crying like this? Because this is not the way it's supposed to be. He knows he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead, but in his mind's eye, I really think that Jesus pictures every single one of our funerals and knows he won't be there to raise us up. And so, this event of raising Lazarus from the dead is the event that precipitates his death. Because after this, what happens? Palm Sunday happens. So, this is Jesus stepping into the arena to do battle with death and the devil, and he weeps because he sees this broken and sinful and fallen world and says, this is not the way things are supposed to be. So Jesus is upset by that. So how does bad stuff happen? Why can't God just go, you know, abracadabra and make it all right? Well, he is going to one day make it all right. He's going to come back one day and he's going to redeem his people and all of his creation, right? He's going to do... All of that, and there's a day, and not just that, but all of the bad stuff in the world will be made right. It'll be a day of justice. So if you've ever, if, if someone has ever wronged you, you know, if anyone's ever stolen a chicken nugget off of your lunch tray or decided to be selfish and never share their grapes with you, uh, you don't have to be upset by that because you know that there's a coming judgment day uh, when your friends will be judged uh, before the great throne of judgment of Jesus Christ. Uh And so the pressure is off in some way that we know that that day is coming. That's why we look forward to Jesus coming back. It's not an event that we say, don't come back. It's an event that we really look forward to and want to happen uh, because every wrong will be righted. Uh, There won't be any more cancer. Uh, Everything that is the product of sin uh, will be absolutely... There will be no more loneliness. right? Your pets won't die anymore. Uh, You... um, and you'll have perfect fellowship uh, with, uh, with God. Now all that is possible because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So God has actually solved the problem of evil in Jesus. So the question might then be, well then why doesn't he just come back now? Why doesn't he come back and make all of that right now? Well, what makes the world go round? Love. Love. Well, I mean I know it's favors but let's just say love and uh, love makes the world go round and the world continues to turn and time continues to march on in order that more and more people might come to know the Lord Jesus and so that he might have uh, his full family uh, before him uh, when he comes uh, again but until then we're still going to see famine monsoons uh, tidal waves, uh, Cancer. or uh, venomous snakes. Has anyone seen one yet this year? Right. Apparently, Norman Drive has every snake on the face of the earth uh, living on it. Everyone says there's snake season on Norman Drive. But anyway, uh, but you know, there's going to come a day when actually, if you put a lion and a lamb, or a wolf and a lamb, in the same cage, what's going to happen? Lunch, right? Well, now they went, So lunch, but there's going to come a day when both the lion and the lamb, the wolf and the lamb, will lie down together, right? So that that day is coming, where where bad things will be no more.
0: All right. Um, who is the devil, and was he ever good? Ah, uh, yeah. Um.
1: So the devil uh, is a fallen angel. Uh, the devil was a, an angel named Lucifer uh, who wanted to, to run the show. And so Lucifer and a third of all the angels decided to rebel against God. Um, but what happens when you go up against God? You lose. That, yes, very good. Yeah, you lose. And, uh, and so I don't want anyone to think that the counterpart to God is the devil he's sort of the same as God but in an evil way and so uh, the devil is is a real being uh, a a real personality uh, whose uh, name is now Satan uh, which means accuser and so his primary job is uh, to accuse you but this kind of brings us back to our first point about sin and not being able to use it as an excuse to do bad things uh, nor do you get to blame the devil uh, for when you do bad things saying things like the devil made me do it uh, because we still are responsible uh, but the devil's uh, active and, and alive in the world and where you see evil uh, typically it's the product of two things one the devil but also the sinfulness of the human heart and uh, and so the devil is not like God in the sense he's not omniscient he doesn't know everything uh, he's not omnipresent he can't be everywhere at once uh, and he's not omnipotent he's not all powerful he's actually subject and there'll come a day when he will meet his complete and total defeat.
0: All right, let's make this we'll go a
1: little lighter. Let me wait a minute. Let me just say oh, one more thing about come? the devil. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a really great book that you ought to read in high school by C.S. Lewis, named the Screwta- called the Screw Letters. And what it is is that uh, two uh, is, it, is it really the devil or is it just two demons? Devil, yeah, two de- yeah. So it's two demons that are that are fallen angels, and they're talking about how uh, how to do business uh, in this world. And one of the things that, that they really hammer away at is the best thing that you can do is to get the person that you're assigned to to not believe in the devil. And I know that we don't like talking about the devil and we try to avoid talking about the devil and the devil has sort of become the Lord Voldemort of, uh, of the Bible where people don't want to talk about him at all, at all. But actually that may be one of the most dangerous things uh, because if you don't talk about him, you're not aware of him. It doesn't mean you become obsessed with him. But what it does mean is that you're able to acknowledge him and, and understand who he is and what he's trying to do. So you can call him out uh, when, when he is messing with you. But also know this is that uh, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and the Holy Spirit lives within you, uh, you're, you're off limits to the devil. Like, there are things that he, there' are just certain things he's not able to do but what he will do is live up to his name and he's the one that will, will try to hold guilt over your head a whisper in your ear and he'll get he'll try to make you doubt and question uh, and uh, all kinds of stuff like that
0: Okay so a lighter one Where does the water come from that babies get
1: baptized with the Birmingham Waterworks. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's just tap water. Um, it's not... Uh, I know this, Some churches will bring back bottles of water from the River Jordan and will put like a teensy tightsy bit. Um, if you ever saw the River Jordan, you would never allow your children to come into contact with that water. Um, so we don't... Uh, but I, I have used water from the River Jordan to, to baptize the babies, but no, it just comes from the tap.
0: What is purgatory like?
1: Uh, Well, it's it's like nothing because it doesn't exist. Um, So, in um, in Roman Catholic theology, uh, the thought is, uh, and anybody can chime in on this because I'm by no means an expert. I don't want to get it wrong. Um, That when you die, you still have sinful imperfections that have to be removed and so you go to purgatory and after a certain amount of time in purgatory when you're made fully righteous then you can go into heaven Uh, some people are in purgatory for a short amount of time some people are in purgatory for a very long period of time Uh, during the reformation uh, you could get years knocked off of purgatory for your family members uh, and even for yourself uh, through the purchase of indulgences and um there's no biblical evidence for it. Uh, So what we read in the Bible, uh, in the book of Hebrews, is that it's appointed once for man to die and then judgment, which is a real heartening verse. Uh, But also uh, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Uh, Precious in the sight, we we said the Psalm this morning, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. So when you and I die, if we're in Christ, we go to be in the presence of God, not because, we're not, not because we're sinless, but because Christ's righteousness has covered us, right? So we're able to stand before God, not because we've gotten knocked off in purgatory, but because Jesus' death and resurrection is enough to account us righteous to stand before God the Father.
0: That was a light one? I thought so. I was just ready for you to say. So if you're, worried,
1: if you're worried about what happens when you die, if you're putting your trust and faith in the Lord Jesus, it doesn't mean that you've got to have it all figured out. It doesn't mean that you've got to have it all figured out. Uh, but simply, a, a good example of this would be the, the good thief uh, on the cross. Remember, what, what did, he just cried out for mercy, right? And what did Jesus say? Surely you will be with me this day in paradise. Just simple faith uh, in Jesus, because all of us are going to have a lot of stuff worked out when we get to heaven. You know, we're going to realize how wrong we were about things uh, when we stand in the presence of God. Uh, but faith in Jesus uh, is enough.
0: I call it light because it's relative to these next. Few oh, great. <laughs> All right, running who, out of time. Yep. <laughs> who goes to heaven? Who goes to hell? And why? Also, how do I know which one I'm going to? Okay.
1: So that, now that's a good springboard for this. So we this is full circle. Dogs heaven, yep. cats. It's our turn. <laughs> No, that's not true. Um, okay. Uh, who goes Who goes to heaven? Sinners. Who goes to hell? Self righteous sinners. Uh, that uh, no, let's unpack that, why that those of us who are citizens of heaven are citizens of heaven because Jesus has saved us by his death and resurrection full stop Right. so there's no there's no way we can work ourselves into heaven no matter how good we are and we have this offer this free gift of grace that's given to us and all we have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus and we'll be saved Right? That, that's, that's it so that's, that's who goes to heaven people who know that they need Jesus to get into heaven now we don't believe in Jesus simply for fire insurance to avoid hell uh, but actually uh, we cry out to him for mercy not just for what happens when we die but also here in this life right? so we need to be saved even now not just at the, the time uh, of, of, our, um, of our death so that's who goes uh, to heaven. Uh, who goes to hell are people who actually would rather not be with Jesus. So actually hell is filled with a place, is filled with people who get what they want. Who get what they want. Um, C.S. Lewis again has a really powerful illustration uh, in the great divorce of a, uh, of a woman Uh, who uh, now he takes some theological liberties and makes it sound as if uh, if you're in heaven, you can go visit your loved ones in hell. Uh, But for the sake of just roll with it. So there's this woman. She's a citizen of heaven, but her husband is in hell. And she goes on the bus uh, to visit him. And while she visits him, she's pleading with him to get on the bus to go to heaven. Just get on the bus and go to heaven. And he'll have none of it. He'll have none of it. Uh, Because he still thinks that in hell, he's in control. And that he's able to have the freedom that he's deserved and earned and exercised his his entire life. And nobody and no thing is going to lord over him and make him subject to their authority. And so he'd rather be in hell where he can have his own way than actually be in heaven and be under the kingship of the Lord Jesus. So hell is uh, is not a pleasant place, uh, and it's where people are actually given uh, what they want, and um, and it's it, it, there's a there's an absence of complete love. Um, even in the world today, where we, we experience things like famine and poverty and death and disease. Even people who are in those conditions and situations, and even in what seems to be the most evil situation, God is still present in it somewhere. God is still present in it somewhere. Hell is the complete absence of God. It's the complete absence of God. Uh, And I I don't think that we do ourselves uh, a favor when we try to paint pictures of it when we try to explain what exactly it's going to look like or be like, except I think it's enough to say what the Bible says is hell is where God is not, and that is a nightmare that none of us can comprehend here on this earth.
0: All right. Can someone who's in hell change their mind and go to heaven? And then
1: somebody die? read CS Lewis. Yeah. Okay. Um, the
0: time is in. What about Jesus going to hell and then going to
1: heaven? Ah, okay. <laughs> okay, uh, so... <laughs> their question. Right. So, again, author of Hebrews, uh, it's appointed once to die and then and then judgment. Um, God has given us our lives as long or as short as they may be uh, to make a decision, a decision for him. And you've already made that decision. But here's the thing. I don't think... Knowing what the Bible has to say about this, that, um, well, I'll just ask you. I'm not going to ask you to an answer out loud. If you're standing before the throne of heaven, and you are asked, "Why should you be allowed in?" Just in your own minds and hearts, what would your response be? I don't. Th- I said, "Don't answer, Dave." Dave Tatum. <laughs> uh, so uh, no, but yes. So that's. So, but I don't think that by standing in front of God is actually going to change anybody's mind. I think that whatever you just answered in your heart is the answer that you would give. And so, um, if somebody said, um, well, I think I ought to get into heaven because I'm a really good person, (coughs) Right. that's the case they're going to plead when they actually have the opportunity uh, to do it um, but uh, and if somebody but if if you if you simply plead the merits and mercy uh, of Jesus Christ uh, that's right that's the answer we don't deserve uh, to go to heaven and to be in perfect fellowship with God uh, but God in his mercy gave us uh, gave us Jesus and so uh, there is no redemption um, beyond uh, that which is given uh, in Jesus Christ in which the Bible calls us to repentance and belief while we're here on this earth. And the other one is, uh, the follow-up to that was... Yeah, basically, oh, Jesus well, well, well okay. Jesus went there and came back. Yeah, okay, him. so, all right, so there's a difference between... The hell that we. Oh, let's just start from the beginning. Okay, so what was Jesus up to after his crucifixion and before his resurrection? Uh, when we recite the creed, what do we say? He descended to the dead, right? Uh, or he descended into hell, right? It's the place of death, and so the the thought is, and it's this is actually the Old Testament it plays heavily, and this is how the church fathers uh, articulated it that. Jesus, um, right. There are two things. So one, what did Jesus come uh, when Jesus was uh, on the cross? uh, What did He become for us? I actually mentioned the sermon this morning. Sin, right. Where does sin go? Right. Hell. So that's one aspect of it. Uh, But while there, uh, Jesus uh, puts up the notice game over to the devil right? this is it uh, I, because when Jesus died uh, remember when he stepped into the arena to do battle at the tomb of Lazarus when Jesus died on the cross uh, Satan thought I won, I got it he's dead uh, a great image of this in the lion and the witch and the wardrobe right, right? We're in a- he's dead, it's over the forces of evil uh, have won and yet uh, was it over? no so Jesus going to hell and saying, that you, you actually have lost. Uh, but then there's also the idea that in the Old Testament, the idea of Sheol, uh, which is sometimes translated as hell, and that's where uh, saints of the Old Testament went, a place of the dead. It's not a place of punishment. And there Jesus went, that now that he had died and his blood cleansed all, he was able to go and ransom the Old Testament saints and take them into heaven because now there was a way by which they could enter into full fellowship with God. So it's very complicated. Uh, uh, don't lose sleep over it. Uh, when you get to heaven, God is going to sort it out. Uh, but this is one of those where if you're reading your Bibles, it's very difficult to, to sort out an answer, although Paul alludes to it.
0: Andrew? Yeah. It not being like the story of the other Joshua who came with the filthy clothes that Jesus is going to, to take off
1: all that sin and deposit it into hell. Yeah, absolutely. They're yeah. So
0: really into eschatology.
1: That was the word they one. used, to. Oh, good. Yeah, uh, sure. Good teachers. Yeah, sure. uh,
0: what is heaven like? Are we all angels or the same as we are here
1: on earth? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, well, we know that the streets of heaven are guarded by United States Marines. <laughs> and uh, no, no, that's from the halls of Montezuma. So... Um, <laughs> Uh, Revelation gives us an idea of what the new Jerusalem is going to look like. I mean, people get very confused about this because they think that the ultimate destination of a Christian is heaven. But that's actually a way station. So, for instance, when um, Jesus tells his disciples, uh, in my father's uh, uh, house are many rooms. right? And, and I go to prepare a place for you. Actually, the Greek used there is not a mansion or a house it's actually a, like a rest stop it's it's a temporary place to rest until Jesus comes again and restore, gives us a new heaven and a new earth so ultimately we're going to have not just a spiritual existence with Jesus but a physical existence with Jesus on a real earth right in a new Jerusalem that's the ultimate end the restoration of creation uh, what's, what's, oh, so, so what are we like so what do we like I, well we're in heaven I do think that, th- that you're in a spiritual state but it's still a reality it's, it's a reality and, and you're, you're conscious of that um, and you're looking forward to the day when you are resurrected and you are dwelling physically with Jesus uh, but you know a lot of people will use language like that when somebody dies they'll say well now they've gone on to be an angel no, you don't become an angel. In fact, if you were to become an angel, that would be a downgrade uh, because you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ that an angel can enjoy.
0: Then I think to follow, this wasn't but I would be helpful. In the new heavens and new earth, what are we going to be like?
1: I hope sinner. I mean uh, you know I mean it's so funny because anytime anytime an angel is depicted in church art they're depicted as as being 33 years old and why is that because thats how old Jesus was when, when he died uh, and and I don't necessarily think that that's the case that our I mean we have applied a materialistic and Western mindset if we think that our glorified bodies will be... You know, as fit and trim as they could possibly be. And we get a glimpse of what we're going to look like by looking at who? Jesus after the resurrection. And so what are some things that we see uh, in Jesus after the resurrection? What are some characteristics of his body? He's got wounds in his hands, wounds in his feet, and a wound in his side. Well, that's depressing news if you think about it, because you know you get up to heaven and you're sort of like I was kind of hoping you'd take care of that, you know, stretch mark or uh, or, or or whatever it is. That was kind and I don't think that there's any biblical evidence that um, that it would. And and just when you think oh well that's too bad, I mean think of how awful it would be if we have, were to go to heaven and we were to behold the Lord Jesus and we look at him. And his hands look normal and his feet looks normal and his, and his side looks normal. And you're like, but Jesus, what? And he says, I have a little work done. You know, it's, just, it's ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous. So actually, those, uh, you know, I was having a conversation with my wife. Lauren, are you here? Oh, good, I can tell the story. So, no, I was uh, talking, and we were talking about what pregnancy does to a woman's body. And, um, and we were talking about, you know, Jesus uh, restoring our bodies. And I just thought, you know, I wouldn't... That would be sad to me because, Lauren, you know, some of the things that you're complaining about happening in your body are actually signs of life, right? They're actually beautiful scars. Uh, we She had three C-sections, so that was one of the things we were talking about. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, our bodies will not be like our bodies right now, but if we think that it's sort of whatever... Our peak condition could be. I, I think that that's the taking. Well, the whole idea of vanity and comparison would not be that Right. Yeah. All
0: right. Uh, here we go. How do I trust God more in my life? Let's the last one. Good. Yeah. How do I trust not God more in my life? Not I'm
1: that's good. good. That's oh, good by yes. that me.
0: How do I trust God more in my life? And do I have to read the Bible? You know? Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to do anything.
1: Um, but here's the thing. When you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you want to get to know him, uh, there are some things that, that in order for you to actually know who he is, uh, yeah, you, you need to read your Bible. Uh, you, need to, you need to pray. Uh, one of the points that I didn't make this morning about Luke chapter 24 when the Emmaus disciples are going to Emmaus is that Jesus finds them having a spiritual conversation. And I feel like Christians in the West have stopped having spiritual conversations with one another and instead are comfortable talking about anything but Jesus. And so, if those are the kind of conversations that we're going to have in heaven, we should probably, it would be to our benefit to learn that habit now, uh, here on earth. Uh, And so having spiritual conversations, reading God's word, uh, praying uh, to the Lord uh, are all elements uh, of growth. Look, I get it. There are some times when it's really hard for me to read the Bible. I don't feel like it. I don't want to do it. Uh, There are parts of the Bible that I think this is really hard to read. uh, But uh, that doesn't really uh, dissuade me because what drives me to the Bible time and time again is, and I believe the Holy Spirit does this for all of us, begins to develop a hunger uh, for God's word. And, and we want to find ourselves uh, dwelling in it. And I don't think that you ha- that means you have to read a chapter a day or anything like that. I think it's great just every morning to wake up or every... I, it doesn't, there's not a, a specific time to do it either. So don't, tell, don't listen to anyone who says, you've got to do your quiet time first thing in the morning. That it, Some people are getting up so early that Jesus isn't even up. So he's not going to show. Um, <laughs> but just read one Bible verse just read one Bible verse and think about it throughout the day you know just you know sometimes I'll take little post-it notes and I'll write a Bible verse and I'll stick it on my bathroom mirror to remind me of what God thinks of me as his son uh, so I think that that's the approach to it rather than viewing it as sort of a textbook that has to be read and what was the other question?
0: oh so you pretty much covered it yes all right, y'all.
1: I got, I got no, I got <laughs> it. It's, I got five minutes. So, all right, y'all. Good questions this year. Uh, and if I, if I, if you think I still have no idea what you're talking about, uh, you can always email me or call my office, and I am more than happy to chat with you, uh, either face to face or on the telephone. So let me pray for you as we get out of here. All right, Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for these sixth, seventh, and eighth graders, especially those who are in confirmation. <laughs> Uh, we pray that you would give them courage and faith as they uh, declare their faith in you uh, next uh, Sunday, or that you would bless them and keep them open the eyes of their heart to behold you. That so they would grow deeper in the knowledge of your grace and love. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Good job, y'all.
0: Good job